This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is elections and the market. <laughs> yes, you're laughing, Ooh. Amy. This is a timely topic, but it's kind of a touchy one, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm sure everyone's turning it up. Yeah. So here's the thing. I mean, obviously, the U.S. voters are going to choose a new president here just within a few days. And given the polarizing climate on the campaign trail this year, I think people are really wondering what a new president is likely to do to the market. Right. So... I thought long and hard about doing this um, show today because I have seen so many people divided by their views on the candidates and on this election. And so I want to start out by saying everything that we're going to be talking about today is just data. Statistics, <laughs> right? Statistics. Facts. Data. Just the facts, There is ma'am. no opinion here. <laughs> This is unbiased. <laughs> It'll make for great coffee talk afterwards, Mary. Right, because there's some really interesting numbers when you look okay. at the history of elections, and I think they're kind of fascinating. Okay. So I want to jump into this. All right. All right. So here's the thing. No one can predict the future. The markets are only consistent in one way. They either overreact or underreact to news. <laughs> How is that for kind of wishy-washiness, right? <laughs> well, it'll either go up or down. I am 100% sure about that. <laughs> but You here, are clairvoyant. I am. <laughs> but here's the thing. There's some, if you look back at history, there is some really interesting information that we can pull out by looking at the market's response to past elections. All right. So historically, things have actually been fairly positive. 16 of the past 18 presidential election years, not counting this year, but the mm-hmm. past ones, have produced a positive total return for the S&P 500 index. Really? 16 wow. out of the last 18 positive results in the S&P. Wow. I think that is pretty telling, right? Optimism. Yeah. And you know. maybe, um, you know, usually the market responds poorly to change, but maybe looking forward to a known change is what is reflected in there. It's hard to say. But the only down election year for the S&P 500 going back to 1944 was the 2000 and the 2008 elections. Really? Yep. So other than those two, and the 2008 election, you have to think about that. That was in the middle of the recession. Yep. So there was no saving that one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But the 16 of the 18 past ones, that's a pretty large skew for being able to say that election years have historically been pretty positive. All right. All right. So another thing I think that is really interesting is... We hear so much stuff about interest rates and is the Fed going to raise rates and things like that. And here's the statistic on that. In the past 50 years, the Federal Reserve has either cut or raised the interest rates in every single presidential election year except the last one in 2012. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is. 50 years. 50 years. Every single election, they've either raised or lowered them, which means they're changing them in election years. Mm -hmm. And we had a Fed raise last year in December. 
It was the first time we'd had one in many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. And we are looking at December as being the next one. Yes. So if we play the averages, that would indicate it's certainly possible that they'll raise it. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows if they will? I certainly can't predict the future. But it's kind of interesting to note that for 50 years, that's the way that it's been. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think that's kind of interesting. It seems like just such a current topic, not something that right. we've seen over and over. Yeah. And I think people um, are wondering how that affects them and things like that and and what that will do to them. And um, I think we'll do a whole show in December about these interest rates okay. and what they mean to people. Because, okay. you know, we hear about it, but people don't right. always understand what it means to well, them. And sometimes raising the rates, we're talking a quarter of 1%, you know, so on a smaller, let's say on your your mortgage rate, it doesn't have the impact that it would have on large, large sums of Mm -hmm. money. (laughs) Yeah. All right. We digress. Let's get back to the topic of elections and the market on Money Guide with Mary Stirk. So one of the things is that um, voter turnout really does matter. And so, Amy, you know, I think that you know people that sometimes vote, sometimes don't vote. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your history of voting has mm-hmm. been. I always vote. What I about always you? vote. Okay. Yes. Yes. And this particular election, I have heard more people than ever say, I just don't even know who I'm going to vote for, so yes. I might not vote. Yeah, which is not a good idea. No. I mean, cast your vote, yeah. people. <laughs> have your say. <laughs> Whatever it is, have your say. But in 2012, this is fascinating, in 2012, the last election, less than 60% of eligible voters voted in the 2012 election. Yikes. Yeah, I think that's crazy. Wow. So, um, you know, only 58% of people voted, 42% of people stayed home and didn't cast a vote. And that was a significant um, reduction in the the voter turnout. Okay. So um, if you think that your vote doesn't count, I think that it does. Um, and that's, it, it especially counts if you're in one of the um, 19 states out there that changes their party occasionally. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so here's a fun right. fact interesting statistic about elections in the last six elections so now we're talking about 24 years here okay last six elections 18 states have gone for the democratic candidate 13 states have gone for the republican candidate and they've done that every single time so there is 18 states that have voted democratic every election for the last 24 years and there are 13 states that have voted Republican every election for the last 24 years. But there are 19 states that flip-flop. <laughs> Therein lying <laughs> the wild Where card. Where do you think the candidates are campaigning right now? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right. Yes. So that's why voter turnout matters so much is that when you start looking at these swing states mm-hmm. and there's 19 swing states focusing there is where these candidates tend to get elected Mm -hmm. so your vote counts get out there people and cast that vote (laughs) all right so let's talk about that for just a second because there is 
one state that is out there that correlates with the winner of the election. And it's the only state that in the last 13 presidential races has actually called the winner. It's one of the flip-flop states. And 13 out of the last 13 times, they've been on the right side of it. Can you guess who it is? Is it Iowa? It is not Iowa. South Carolina. <laughs> nope. It is da, 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 Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the Buckeye State Woo-hoo. has a really strange correlation with picking the winner. How many electoral votes do they have, I wonder? I have got no idea. But they've backed the winner of the election in the past 13 races with Republicans winning seven times and Democrats winning six times. So they're one of those flip-flop states. And so it's really interesting to watch Ohio and see what it is that they're actually doing. (laughs) Yes. Um, Oh, okay. So Ohio has 18 electoral votes. Okay, gotcha. So there's a little bit of a saying that says, as the Ohio Buckeyes go, so goes the nation, (laughs) which is really kind of interesting. Like, I don't ever think about the state of Ohio. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) On a day-to-day basis, I think there's fantastic things that are coming out of Ohio, but it's not something that's on my radar. And then all of a sudden, it has this massive impact on something that affects everybody. So I think that's an amazing statistic to talk about. (laughs) Kind of interesting. Boy, I will perk up on election returns tonight watching what Ohio's up to. (laughs) Right. So I'm going to say this a couple of times while we're talking today, but um, a lot of people ask me, well, is there anything I should be doing with my portfolio to protect it against volatility connected to the election? Okay. And the answer is, if you have a long-term outlook in your portfolio, then absolutely not. You cannot time the market. You can't time it effectively. And there are certain times the market's going to rocket forward, and there are certain times it's going to drop like a stone. And a long-term portfolio is designed to withstand both of those scenarios. So, I do not recommend trying to time your portfolio and make changes in it based on this upcoming election. Right. I think you want to maintain your long-term plan. So that's my very direct advice connected to (laughs) (laughs) the election is maintain your long-term outlook if it's a long-term outlook, in fact. Don't overreact. Right. Yeah. So um, I want to tell you something that we have um, coming up. Our next seminar that a lot of you listen for is not coming up until January 12th. And we are going to be doing a retirement readiness seminar at that time. So you can check out the details at sterkfinancialservices.com. But give us a holler and register for that. I love doing that in January because it's like a kickoff to a new year, planning for a new year, get those resolutions set and go after the financial ones. Yes, that's that's very good to start the year off, Mary, with the retirement readiness and... Get ahead of the tax season. Yes, definitely. (laughs) The other thing I want to say, though, is since we don't have a seminar coming up until January, if there's any listener out there who's wanting to do some end-of-the-year strategic planning, just give us a call. Just hop on our website at sterkfinancialservices.com. Give us a call. Give us a holler. Let's set up a time to talk and see if there's any end-of-the-year tax planning or strategic investment planning that makes sense to do, and uh, we'll go from there. Today's topic, we are talking about elections and the market. 
kind of a hot topic mm, right now. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. So as I said before, this is not um, a political show. This is a show that we are talking about the data, about how the markets have responded to elections in the past, regardless of who's winning. Right. So, Amy, let's talk about that for just a second. All right. So... We're going to go into what perhaps will be the diciest segment for the people listening of this show. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about how the market responds when different people win. All right. Okay. Oh. So we're going to look at... These are facts. All right. These are not opinions. These are facts. We're going to look at an 80-year time period. So that encompasses a lot of people's lives for some people their entire life so we're mm-hmm. talking 80 years of history here and if we have had a democratic president and a republican-led congress the s&p has been up an average of 15.3 percent per huh. year under that regime wow yeah democratic president and GOP republican congress, congress. yeah huh. 15.3 percent That's a pretty nice return. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That is more than double the opposite, where the return has been a 6.6% annual return under a Republican president and a Congress controlled by Democrats. Wow. So, yeah, I think that's really interesting. 15.3% with a Democratic president and Republican-led Congress and 6.6% under a Republican president and a Democratic Congress. Hmm. Okay, so what about if the same party? That is a great question. And I have the answer since this is a show about data. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the index has gained 11.7% per year when the White House and Congress have been controlled by the same party. Huh. So right in the middle there between extremes. Yes. That's interesting. I would not have thought that. Yes. So it's kind of telling you that no matter who is in charge, that the market has potential to go up and that no matter who's in charge, there has been down markets. However, there is clearly a winner in that race of uh, the mix. Okay. Okay. Now, here's the next interesting fact. When the House and the Senate have been controlled by different parties, regardless of who has been the president, the S&P 500 has been up an average of 11.1% per year. Holy smokes. Isn't Hmm. that interesting? Yeah, because that's so similar to the same party controlling the White White House House and Congress. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't even want to speculate on why this is. I think people might mistake the data to say, well, it's better for the markets if we have a Democratic president and a GOP Congress. And these numbers play that out. But I think that that's a little short-sighted to just interpret the data that way, because sometimes the reactions of the market have to do with what was set up before the president came in, right. before the sure. new House and Congress sure. came in. Right. So in 2008, we were already in the middle of a recession. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to go from a deep dive? You're going to go up. So that can kind of skew the data. But I just think that it's interesting that whether the same party controls the White House and Congress or whether the House and the Senate is divided, we have almost identical average rates of return in the market over time. And again, you said this is over 80 years? 80 years. Yeah, I think that is fantastic. Wow. 
So, um, and now here's why I'm talking about the fact that there can be a skew. So we have monster returns in the market for the terms that our current president, President Obama, was in the White House. Okay. So the S&P 500 has grown 7.9% annually in the first, uh, well, okay, hold on a second. Normally, in the past, if we look at going back to 1931, so again, long, long-term look at this, the S&P 500 has grown 7.9% annually in the first year of presidential terms. Oh, all right. Okay. Huh. I hope everybody is listening to that because I have so many people talking about fear in the market. And in I'm not saying I know which way the market's going to go. It could go up or down. But going back to 1931, the S&P has grown 7.9% annually on average in the first year of a presidential term. Hmm. That's, okay? that's, well, people are positive. Yes. Well. Now, <laughs> in Obama's first term, it went up 26.5%. So up 26.5 versus 7.9, but you have to look at where the starting point was, right? If you're starting at a high and you go up 7.9%, that's awesome. If you're starting at the bottom of a bottom of a bottom of a recessionary trough, it makes sense that you're going to go up 26% because you're rebounding. Absolutely. That doesn't necessarily mean growth. It means rebounding. And that does skew however the overall average it levels out. Absolutely. Okay. And in his second term in 2013, we saw the market go up 32.4%. Okay. So everybody likes these returns. (laughs) There is no doubt about that. Everybody likes these returns. But um, what I want to key in on is that regardless of who's winning, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter, that the average since 1931 is 7.9%. Now, I don't want people to take that as Mary Stirk told me on the radio to go invest a bunch of money because in the first year of a presidential election, the market goes up because it could certainly go down and there's no guarantees. But that is the average. And I think that's a fascinating statistic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, wow. OK, there is another kind of leading indicator that I want to talk about. That's an interesting statistic. Okay. And that's this. When the S&P 500 has been positive Over the three months prior to the election, the incumbent party has retained control of the White House. And when the S&P 500 has been negative over the three months prior to the election, the party out of power has won back the White House. So it's kind of like saying short-term thinking is driving some of the voter turnout. Sure. I think that that is probably how to interpret that. But that's the last eight elections is how that one has rolled. So you're talking over 30 years of history here, the last eight elections. If the S&P has been positive over the three months prior to the election, incumbent party has stayed in. And if it's been negative, the out-of-power party has won. Now, if I'm looking at the market right now, I can say that it's been slightly negative. It's been flat to slightly negative. So there's not been a big swing in either direction in the last three months, which is really kind of fascinating coming up to an election that's this contentious. So I don't really know what that will spell out, but I think (laughs) it's an interesting statistic. (laughs) Well, you'll have to uh, do a show, Mary, and comment once, uh, you know, we've got the president in place. Maybe we'll do one in a year. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And see how the first year impacted everybody. So... 
All right. So here's the thing that I also think is interesting is that if you look at the demographics of the United States of America, um, we have now grown to a point where the millennial population is almost as big as the boomer population. Wow. Yeah. So this is wow. interesting on many, many, many levels. Yes, it <laughs> is. Wow. But let me roll the numbers for you here. So the silent death slash the greatest generation. Yeah. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> there, That represents 12.5% of the U.S. population right now. The, the boomer generation represents 31.1%. Okay. The Gen Xers, which is the generation I fall into, is 25.4%. And the millennials are now 30.9%. So boomers wow. are 31.1 and millennials are 39.9. We got 0.2% difference between these. My so gosh. if you think that campaigning just to a generation of people who are 55 plus is in you know the best interest... That is absolutely wrong. And that's why I think you see campaign tactics being geared towards millennials because the millennial population alone could completely swing the vote if they actually if they go get out, out and, vote. and vote. Yes. So I think that's really interesting. Well, clearly Bernie Sanders got that. <laughs> yeah, know? I think he did. <laughs> so anyway, I think that's that's something to keep in mind, that there's a very unique split of, of age demographic in our country right now. And I think it's fair to say that millennials focus on different things of being important mm-hmm. in their lives. Currently, they have a different maybe uh, list of priorities than somebody who's in the boomer generation. Absolutely. Neither one is necessarily right or wrong. It's just a different set, a little bit of a different values-driven set, a little bit of a different order of priorities. And I will be interested to see how that plays out Mm -hmm. after they cast their votes Mm -hmm. next week. So, um, all right. So that is the data. And and as I said earlier... um, Regardless of what's happening in the political arena, a long-term investment strategy is a long-term investment strategy. So stay the course. Don't try to tarm the market, you know, around an election. That market timing just doesn't work. You're never going to time it quite right. Um, If there's somebody listening that is interested in getting these statistics in writing, we have a great (laughs) giveaway for you. It's called By the Numbers, the U.S. Election Edition. You can just give us a call or go to strictfinancialservices.com and get a, uh, request a copy of that. We'd be happy to send it to you. And it has all of the sources of where this data came from. Okay. Um, I think that would be a great thing. And then again, just to remind people that if you want to connect for strategic planning between now and the end of the year, don't hesitate to give us a call because we don't have another seminar coming up till January. Yes. But January 12th will be our retirement readiness seminar. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk about elections and the market. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. 
past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dune, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.